Thank you so much for joining us for another message from Sandhill Free Will Baptist Church in Sandusky, Ohio. This podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sandhill. It is our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ. It is our steadfast belief that we can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or visit our social media pages on YouTube or Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. How many of you know that life sometimes is hard? Anybody be a witness to that? Life sometimes is hard. Uh, life, life is just difficult. There are, there are all kinds of struggles that we face. There are all kinds of problems we have. Um, those of us that are getting a little older realize that we don't quite feel like we did when we were young, right? And we have health problems and we have emotional problems. All the things in life. But um, Josh came into my office this morning. I, this, is, this is really good. I didn't get this until just a couple minutes ago. But, but Josh come into my office. If you're ever around the church, you will know this is a regular occurrence. Uh, thank God for geeks. Amen. Uh, but I'll be sitting in my office and I'll have a problem, right? And, and so I went out and I was looking for Josh or Jenny or CJ or someone to help me, help me fix my computer. And Josh walked in and he fixed it in about two seconds. I said, what would you do? He said, this is a secret that's worth millions of dollars. He said, if you just do this one thing, it will fix any problem there is with your computer. And I was sitting there thinking, I, I just want to ask everybody here this morning, is there anybody here who would like to know the one secret that will fix every problem you've got? Because yeah. I'm going to tell you this morning. If it, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you, Josh showed there's two buttons you push on that computer and it'll fix anything. <laughs> All right? Now that might be a little bit of an anxiety, but it did fix it just instantly. It was fixed. And I thought about life. Wouldn't it be great, whether it's health, finance, family, church, whatever it is, wouldn't it be great if it was just one button you could push, it'd fix everything. Anybody like to know what that, you know, Josh said it's worth millions of dollars. I reckon that's worth a lot of money to this. I wonder how much I can get out of this. If it would literally fix any problem you have with one thing, wouldn't you want to know? Now, I'm going to tell you this morning what that is. Amen? Real, real common scripture, we all know, but I think as we dig in a little deeper, um, like so many, I heard someone preacher say, he said, the reason scriptures are so familiar, because it's a good verse, right? The reason we're, we know it so well, but the problem with familiar scriptures, we get so used to it that we, we don't really dig in deep and pay attention to what it is. Um, so, let's stand, I'm just going to read one verse. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, I'm guessing most of you can quote it, uh, but it simply says, our Lord speaking here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Let us pray. Father, how I thank you for this service. How I thank you for what we felt. Thank you for this day of celebration. Lord, each and every one watching us online and as well as all of those that are here with us, Father, would you speak to our hearts. Open our minds. Let us understand, Lord, what you'd have us to do. Lord, no matter what comes in life, Lord, you can fix it. And we trust that you'll do that this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. 
So the title of the message this morning is The Wrong Side of the Tracks. Anybody ever heard that expression, The Wrong Side of the Tracks? You grew up on the wrong side. Now, I was thinking about this, uh, but when I was thinking about this, everybody here probably grew up on the same side of the tracks, right? <laughs> we all grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, right? And that just simply is a phrase, somebody came up with it, and it just simply means if you're on that side of the tracks, you're poor people. If you're on this side of the track, you're rich people. Are you with me? That's what it literally means. And, and in some cities, you know, you go to Chicago, New York, and some of the big cities, Literally, that's the way it is. There's, a, there's an area of town, it's just for poor people. You go literally sometimes across the road, it's where the rich people live, right? And so you can say, which side of the tracks are you from, right? But here's the thing, in, in that illustration, you can tell which side of the tracks you're from, right? You're driving a big old fancy car, living in a big old fancy house, you know which side of the tracks you're from. You're barely getting by. You can't put food on the table. You're very, very poor. We know which side of the tracks you came from. It's, it's easy to understand. We're, we, we can figure it out. So it's very clear which side of the tracks you're on. So we're going to look at that this morning. <clears throat> so my, I've got three points this morning. They all come straight out of this verse, just, just right out of the verse. And there are three questions I want to ask. Number one, first question, what is the kingdom of God? says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We ought to probably figure out what the kingdom of God is. Is this talking about heaven? Is it talking about heaven? I don't think so. Now, I don't have time to preach it out, but we, we've studied this before. But if you go through, particularly the book of Matthew, but if you go through, the, our Lord talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. But he's not always talking about after we die. He's talking about right now. And I, I'm very, very confident we live in the kingdom of of God. Does anybody know how you get in the kingdom of God? They sung about it already. I got saved. Right? You get saved, you get in the kingdom of God. Now, if you understand what a kingdom is, a kingdom has a king. Guess who our king is? King Jesus. He has a kingdom and he is the king. And we enter into his kingdom when we are saved because we make him our king. Literally, it says that if any man will, will um, accept him as Lord, they will be saved. Do you know what the word Lord is? It's our king. So we enter the kingdom of heaven and we come under the authority of the king. Now, I want you to understand this morning very clearly there are two kingdoms. Are there two kingdoms? There's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of Satan. Can I tell you that every person watching us online and everyone sitting here is either in one of two kingdoms? You're in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of Satan. You say, oh, no, I'm in neither one. I'm not, I'm not yet in the kingdom of God, but I'm definitely not in the kingdom of Satan. Yeah, you are. You're either in the kingdom of Satan or in the kingdom of God. That, that simple teaching of the word of God, one of two places. And there is a clear distinction, just like if you go to Chicago and you're from the wrong side of the tracks, there is a clear distinction between those in the kingdom of God and those in the kingdom of Satan. But I'd like to explain to you just a little bit about the kingdom of Satan, I want you to understand that the king of the kingdom of Satan, I want you to understand, uh, the Bible says he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. He is a deceiver. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to make you miserable. Uh, he, he, his whole plot, he may, he may hold something up pretty in front of you, but his plot is to destroy you. And literally, when you are cast into hell, he will laugh and say, gotcha. He's not here to help you. 
He's here to destroy you. Now there's another kingdom, the kingdom of God, and, and the king of that kingdom is Jesus Christ. He left, uh, um, Brother Miguel told us, he, he, he was no sin and he took on sin, right? He left the glories of heaven, came to this earth, and it said that he came to give us life, and that more abundantly, right? So, so we, are, we have a king who wants to give us joy and peace and happiness and all the good things in life. That's what this kingdom is. And, and so the Bible here says, we are to seek that kingdom. Seek that kingdom. But I want you to understand there are some distinctions. Now, literally, if you were to go to Chicago, New York or something, you could probably tell by the clothes someone was wearing which side of the tracks they're from. Right? I mean, you, we can tell you're poor. <laughs> we can tell you're rich, right? We, we can tell by the kind of car you come up in or, or a car you didn't come up in. We can tell by the house. We can tell what side of the tracks you're from. But can I tell you in the Bible, God has made it so you can tell which side, which kingdom you're from. Now, I'm not talking about, see, I think your first thing that I, as I said those words, I think what a lot of you say is, yeah, because Christians uh, don't do this sin and don't do this sin and don't do this sin. And sinners do those things. So that's how you tell us apart. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, that's kind of the trivial part of the whole deal. Let me describe to you, if you see someone from the kingdom of Satan, let me describe to you what you are very likely to see. Someone who complains all the time. Someone who's never happy. It's never enough. Someone who is self-serving. Someone who is always, why is this happening to me? Someone who's always, uh, never has peace, never has joy, who's just... Not happy. Has anybody but me noticed that this world we're living in, it's an amazing time we're living in. It really, really is. Uh, It is an amazing time. You drive down the road, especially in the United States of America, you drive down the road. Has anybody noticed the vehicles on the road? It blows your mind. I'm talking about 70, 80, $90,000 vehicles everywhere you look. I mean, the roads are full of them. I mean, just fancy. You drive down the road to look at the houses. It is amazing the, the, the things that we have in America. Has anybody noticed all the happy people running around? See, what I'm saying is we have more than we ever could have dreamed. You've got two dollars dollars $90,000 vehicles sitting in your yard. You've got a three or $400,000 house. You've got any possession you could ever want, and you can do anything you want, and you're absolutely miserable. That's the world we live in. And, and that is a key characteristic of the kingdom of Satan because what he is saying is, uh, I want you to be in my kingdom. I want to rule your life and my job is to destroy you and make you miserable. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. Right? He's doing a pretty good job of it. Now the book of Haggai, uh, let, let me read this to you real quick. Listen real carefully. The book of Haggai uh, 1 and 6, it says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat and ye have not enough. Ye drink and ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into bags with holes. Did you get that? You can have a lot of things. And not have anything. You can be rich beyond your wildest dreams and be miserable. You can have popularity and everybody can like you, and you can be the, the talk of the town, as they say, and lay down your head at night and say, I just don't want to live anymore. Do you know why that is? Because you're in the wrong kingdom. 
Because there is no joy in the kingdom of Satan. So simply, it is marked by uh, what is going on inside of us. Are you guys with me? You guys following? Now, the Bible is clear also in the kingdom of God. What's supposed to be going on in the kingdom of God? See, in the kingdom of God, you can be very, very poor. I'm talking about money. You can be very, very poor and be a Christian. Do you know you can be very, very rich and be a Christian? Do you know you can, uh, you can have really good health and be a Christian? Do you know you can have really, really bad health and be a Christian? Do you know you can have all kinds of problems in life? Or you can seemingly have almost no problems in life. But there's a difference in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Because see, what the Bible teaches us is that those in the kingdom of God have... We, we go through this list so fast, but listen to what it says. They have joy. That means if your health is bad, you still got joy. That means when you don't have any money, still got joy. They have peace. Boy, isn't that worth a million dollars? What would what would the what would the richest people on this earth do who are ready to take a gun and blow their brains out if they had peace? You know what I think a lot of them would do? They would say, "Name the price, and I will pay for it." Five million, ten million, twenty million—it doesn't matter. Just name the price. If you can give me peace, and I can say I can give you peace for free. It's already been paid for. See, peace comes from God. And it doesn't come from anywhere else. Love, joy, happiness, contentment. Is there anything as good as contentment? I mean, there are people, literally, there are Christians. uh, Paul said, I have learned therewith to be content. Do you know there are people who literally don't have uh, any money? They don't have possessions. Uh, they don't have good health. They have all kinds of family problems. And they are very, very happy with the way they are. Amen? Amen. Sister Eula went to be with the Lord. Um, boy, isn't she happy this morning? <laughs> isn't she happy this morning? I mean, she just, if you guys aren't happy, she's happy. She, she's shouting hallelujah this morning. Sister Eula up there in heaven. But you can look at her life and say, oh, man, she never had a lot of money. Her husband died. She was young, had to raise a handicapped child. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. And plop of that, she had all kinds of physical problems. I mean, that woman should have been miserable. Did any of you guys ever see her that way? See, she was happy. She, she, she had Jesus, and she said, that's enough. And most of the time when she taught me, she said, Gary, I don't understand why God's just so good to me. And you look at it and say, what is wrong with you, woman? you got all kinds of problems. No, it ain't about that. It's about Jesus. Amen? Is anybody with me on this? The kingdom of God is where he gives you contentment and joy and peace and happiness. The kingdom of Satan is no matter what you have, you will be miserable. If we just look around, we, you know, I'm a people watcher, but you go, it amazes me the people you see. I mean, go to Walmart one time. Do you see happy people? I mean, it's amazing what you see when you go to Walmart, but that's another subject. That's a whole other subject. But people are not happy. People climbing in uh, just uh, immensely expensive vehicles, have money to fill their cupboards full of food, uh, have everything they could ever want, and they are fighting, and they are mad, and they are not happy, and they are complaining. And, and, you know, I see it all the time. There are people who are very, very well off, and all they do is gripe, why can't I have a little bit more? Why can't I have a little bit more? You know... You know, I was raised in this church, and, and, and a lot of you here are raised in this church, but if we were real, real honest, 
And I've thought about this a lot. But when, if we was to back this thing up about 30 years, and if you'd asked me 30 years ago, or, or even, even when I was a teenager, if we'd ask every last one of you, what will you have 30 years from now? I don't think any of us could have even fathom having what we have right now. I, I couldn't. I am rich beyond my wildest dreams. I, I get to baptize my grandson this morning. Can I tell you that's worth more to me than, than $10 billion? I, I, you know, I, I have the cutest grandkids. Some of you texted me and said your kids, grandkids are cuter than mine, but I'm just having a hard time seeing it. I just, my, but I have, I have grandkids, I have kids, I, I have a church family, I, I have a food on the table, and I have clothes to wear, and I have a place to sleep. I am blessed beyond measure. But can I tell you, all of that would not make me happy if I were not in the kingdom of God. That's what makes you happy. That's what gives you joy. That's what gives you peace. Because there are a lot of people who have everything I have, and they're just complaining how bad life is for them. So, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So, the second point, the second point right out of the scripture, I got these out of order on purpose because I felt like I needed to. But the second point, what is seek first? It says, seek ye first. So what is seek first? And I thought that's a really that's a really simple question. I would think I could probably bring some of the kids up here. I'm guessing that, you know, Case and Peyton, Javi, I'm, I'm guessing some of them, if I said, what is first? They could tell me what first is. It isn't a real hard question, right? It means before something else, it's the number one thing. It's the most important. It's the first thing. Here's what I want to challenge you to this morning. I believe we deceive ourselves. I believe if I was to ask most of you here sitting here this morning and those of you watching us online, I believe if I was to ask most Christians, they would say, I put God first in my life. Because we believe that we do. But do we? Do we put God first? Because it says, seek ye first. I mean, it's not a complicated concept. It just means before anything else, we can, you can look at the rest of this, uh, these verses around here. In verse 24, it says, no man can serve two masters. He'll hate one or love the other, love the other, hate one. No man can have two masters. You can't be in both kingdoms at one time. So how is it, uh, that, how is it that, uh, um, that, that, that uh, you seek first the kingdom of heaven? You know, we, we, I could do all kinds of things. I'm gonna, I want to get down to the punchline here um, real quick. But, but just, just, just ask yourself. And now, I'm going to give you a list of the ways to kind of evaluate yourself. And, and you're probably going to sit there and lie to yourself and tell you, yeah, I do all that stuff. And, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're truthful and maybe you're not. I believe the devil can, can often deceive us in how faithful we really are. Because unless people are really, really good liars, I talk to a lot of people who are really not what they should be. And they really are convinced that they are what they should be. Right. But but so let's just go down the list real quick about seeking first. Where does church fit into your priorities? Where does church fit into your priorities online? Where does church fit into your priorities? In other words, if we if we schedule something going on at the church, you say, oh, man, I had something going on. I wanted to do that really messes things up for me. I had I had something that was going on. If something's going on and we are having church, you say, well, I won't be there. I got something going on. Do you know what? You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I understand that from time to time there are things that happen that we can't be here. But there are people who it's just I've got this going on. I've got that going. On, I won't be at church. Because you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. See, preacher, that's way too hard. Well, I'm going to give you the punchline here in a second. I'll give you a punchline. But is church a priority? What about, what about your time? You know, we're supposed to be reading our Bible. We're supposed to be praying. 
all those things we talk about we're supposed to be. Brother Miguel spent uh, several weeks telling us about spiritual disciplines. We're supposed to be, as Christians, we're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be reading. We're supposed to be uh, listening to preaching. We're supposed to be uh, um, going to church. We're supposed to be doing all those things. Life is busy. Anybody help me out with that? Life is busy. Everybody's busy. I don't know if anybody's, everybody's busy. So do we fit God in when we have time? Or do we put God in first and then figure out what else we can get done? Because that's the way it is. We, we, we can read our Bible, we can pray, we can do things God says and then say, I'll see what I've got left over the world. Or we can put all the world in and then see if we have anything left over for God. See, we deceive ourselves because God's not first. Lastly, I, I, I want to move on, but just lastly, let me say this here. What about your money? You know, the Bible speaks about the first fruits. Does anybody know that that's not something that Moses came up with? Does anybody know, and the Bible doesn't really give us the details, but all the way back to Adam and Eve, it was so that whatever you had, you gave God part of it. Your first fruit. God made it very, very clear. Before you pay your bills, before you go have fun, before you do anything else, you give God what belongs to God. And then what is left over, he will bless it. And he actually teaches us that he will bless us more with what's left over than if we would have kept what we were supposed to give him. It is a principle of God. Oh, but preacher, I can't tithe. I can't give to the church. I can't. And you guys are very generous, but I'm just saying, if you need to hear this, I can't give. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I have to spend money for this and I got to pay my bills and I have a lot on me. But here's the thing. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. It is second to you. I've learned this from experience. I've, you know, me and Renee set up the tithe when we, we first got married. And I've known a lot of tithers. I have never met the first tither. If you do this right and you do this, and you, you just do what you want to with it. I've never yet met the first tither. Talked to a lot of people. I've never met anyone who says, I give the first fruit to, to God. That's not because I got so much money. I don't really need it all. I got more money than I need. I won't give something to God. I have money left over. So I'm like, no, it's before I pay the bills and before I go have fun and before I do anything for me, before I provide for my family, before I feed my babies, I give God his part and God blesses me more with what's left over. I have never met a tither. And some of you guys are the most generous people. Most of you here are just crazy generous. And I appreciate that. Brother Terry, I've never met a tither who said, after I started tithing, I just didn't have as much as I had before. Never. I remember Brother Wendell teaching on that probably 20, 30 years ago. Remember that, Brother Wendell? I remember him standing right here teaching that. See, I've never met someone who said, man, I really could have a lot if I just didn't have to give all that money to the church. And that's what a lot of people think. If I didn't give all that money to the church, man, I have so much more. You know what I see? And know what I see at Sandhill? Can I just be real honest with you? You know what I see at Sandhill? I have a lot of you people. I, I brag on you all the time. A lot of you are, are crazy, crazy generous. You give your tithes and some of you give seem like just crazy amounts of money to the church. And then when we have a need, you just give a whole bunch more. Do you know I see all those same people? Look out there in the parking lot. Look what they've got at home. God has blessed this church. I mean, we're, I'm talking about financially blessed us. What I'm saying is the people who put God first, God blesses them. The people who don't put God first, he doesn't bless them. And someone says, I can't afford to give tithes. I can't afford to give to the church. Well, that's why maybe you're always struggling because you're not putting God first. Amen. Enough of that fun stuff. So let's go on to the last point. 
so this is the, this is kind of the punchline. So so we understand that the kingdom of God is what we enter into. It is it has a good king who wants to make us happy and give us joy and all of that. And then we look at uh, putting him first. And it just simply means more important than anything else in life. He is the number one thing. He takes priority over everything. He is my all in all. Amen. But then number three. See up to this point in the message. Up to this point in the message, before I give you number three, you could be sitting there thinking, yeah, pastor, I put God first. I, God is the number one thing in my life. Because we've been taught that since we were little kids, haven't we? Haven't we been taught put God first? We've all been taught that. We all know that's the Bible. So you're sitting here thinking to yourself, I put God first. He is the first and most important thing in my life. Well, praise God. I hope he is. <clears throat> but now I want to get to the punchline. Because you can deceive yourself into saying, I put God first. So number three, what is added to you? It says, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I want to give that a little twist. See, this whole, uh, if you read, if you start reading verse number 19 and down to the verse 34, it is talking about material, and it is talking about those who worry about having enough food, worry about having enough clothes, worry about having, you know, uh, all of the material things. And it, it is talking clearly about material blessings. And, and these people, and he said, you know, the, the Gentiles, the sinners, they worry about all those things. You guys shouldn't be worried about it. And then he tells them, uh, I believe it's verse 30, 26 or somewhere in there. He said, you know, he said, have you looked at the animals, by the way? I take care of the birds. I take care of the cows. You know, I heard, I don't know how in the world you figure this up, but I heard someone say one time that Bill Gates could not feed the birds on this planet for one day. You think about that. The richest man has all these billions and billions of dollars, and he couldn't even feed the birds for one day. And God does it every day with no problem. Little squirrels running around, God says, I'm going to feed them. The deer out there eating, he says, I'm going to feed them. And God says, you think I take care of them and I won't take care of you? Isn't that what he's saying? And that way he says, anybody with me this morning? So what is this thing that he's going to add to us? But so in good Bible interpretation, you have to understand who he's writing to, what they were living then, and then understand how it applies to us. So in this context, we had a bunch of people who were worried about material possessions. Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have a place to live? Am I going to have clothes to wear? Am I going to have all the things that I need? And so we bring that and Jesus makes it clear to them, if you would put me first, I'd take care of all those other things. In the United States of America, I doubt there's one person here, I doubt there's one person here who says, I just don't know how I'm going to have anything to eat today. I don't think there's anybody in this church like this. Really, in the United States of America, there's no one who has to be that way. You know what we consider poverty? I don't even know what the poverty level is now. But honestly, what they have said is the, is the poverty level, when I was a kid, those have been the rich people. Those have been the people who had a lot of money. I mean, I don't know, it's like $40,000 or something. If you make less than that, you're in poverty. Well, when I was a kid, that had been living high off the hog, right? And I mean, you can have a nice house, nice cars, nice food, and they still give you all kinds of money because you're poor, right? What's my point? What, what's my point? There's no one here worrying about where am I going to sleep tonight. There's no one here saying, I don't know if I'll have enough food to eat tomorrow. My babies are going to go to bed and they're going to die of starvation because I don't have any food to give them. There's nobody here like that. There's nobody here says, anybody got this problem besides me? I've got this closet. It ain't a real big closet, but I got to fight and pry and everything I can to get them closed in there because I got so many in there you won't fit. I'm not saying I just don't have anything to wear. Now, women can say that they can have 500 outfits and they still have nothing to wear, but that's another subject. 
But, but, on the, but on the real out of it, there's no one going around here saying, I don't have any clothes to wear. I don't have any food to eat. I don't have a house to live in. So this has to mean something a little different to you and I. I've already read to you in the book of Haggai how that they had possessions and didn't make them happy. They had money, they had food, they had drink, they had clothes, and it didn't make them happy. So what is added to you? What is added to you? I believe it's what we've already said. I believe God will bless you with contentment and joy and peace with whatever you have. First, like, what's that worth? What's that worth? Well, what is it worth to say, I'm not the richest man, I have some problems, but God has been good to me? You know, that's what Christians are supposed to say. That's what you're supposed to say. I'm not talking about what you're supposed to say. I'm talking about in your heart. You look around and say, I just can't believe how good God's been to me. A thankfulness, a contentment, a satisfaction, a joy, a peace, because God is the king of your kingdom. Amen? Now, I'm done. That's my points. That's my, that's my message. But back to the title of the message, which side of the tracks are you on? Which side of the tracks are you on? We're not talking about how much money you have now. We're talking about which kingdom are you in? Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you in the kingdom of Satan? Is Satan your king who possesses you and destroys your life and eventually will send you to a lake of fire? Or is God and is Jesus the king of your kingdom who wants to give you a wonderful life? Which side of the tracks are you from? The, the, the markings are very distinct. The, they're distinct as they can be. They're not the same. They're, they're very, very different. If you're of the kingdom of Satan, you cannot look like you're of the kingdom of God. It is a different kingdom. And the last thing I want to, to, for you to think about, what happens if you're in the kingdom of God, but you want to live like you're in the kingdom of Satan? What happens then? Exactly. That's it, Brother Spike. Did you hear what he said? You ain't going to be happy. See, God in his kingdom, though he is sovereign and though he is Lord and though he is king of kings and Lord of lords, he will allow you to be in his kingdom and still be self-centered and still be selfish and still be uh, uh, not putting him first. But he will not give you uh, the treats of living in his kingdom, which is joy and peace and contentment and love and happiness and all those things. So if you are on one side of the tracks, it is clear labeled but if you say i'm in the kingdom of god uh, but but life is miserable and you are not content and you always need a little more and you're always finding fault and everyone's not good enough for you, and all these things you are living in one kingdom but acting like you're living in another our kingdom ought to line up with the way we live amen, amen. our kingdom ought to live up line up with the way we live can I just say this? Those people, those people that you go to church with and those people out there in the world, they ought to be able to recognize, oh, I see what side of the tracks you're from. You're one of them God people. You're happy. You're content. You got joy. You got peace. Are you, 
said you was a God kingdom person, but you look like you're one of those Satan kingdom people. Anybody getting it? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you have been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together enliven each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content and programming provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages by visiting our website at www.sandhillfwb.com.